somehow my daughters fell in love with Formula One. I don't know how or why, but I'm not arguing. They may not know wheel, but does anyone? Hi, and welcome to We Don't Know VLF1. I'm Anne. And I'm Grace. We're two sisters who fell in love with Formula One and decided to make a podcast to force all of our friends and family into listening to us talk about Formula One. And today we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Jim Busis. I'm their father. And uh, I was thrilled that they fell in love with Formula One. And uh, I was more thrilled to be invited to this podcast. Thanks for having me today. I, you have since we've been children. You have been trying to get us interested in race car driving and of any sort. What's and your earliest? What's your earliest memory of me trying to get you involved in auto racing? <laughs> I okay, remember what's the going movie with to... the like heartbeat. Is that Le Mans? Le Mans. That's Le Mans. I remember you making me watch that. <laughs> I definitely have early memories of Le Mans on like in the living room. It feels like it was like one of 10 VHSs that you guys owned. <laughs> and I have a memory of going to like a car thing with you and sitting yes, we, in a little car that had like, it was like. We have pictures of that. You, I took you to a Trans Am race at downtown Minneapolis, went around the uh, downtown Minneapolis my friend Dean Case, I think, got me tickets. He was the uh, he was um, the project manager for Trans Am at Ford at the time, so he could give me free tickets. And uh, we just had a blast that day. It was super fun. I do remember it being fun. <laughs> but I have this feeling, Deb, that when Roger Survive first came out, you saw it and you were like, I can get my family finally interested in Formula One because you tried <laughs> to get me to watch it so many times. Right. I, even, and... I remember watching a like full episode with you from the first season, it, where the one where like Daniel Ricardo decides to go to Renault and he jumps off the cliff in Monaco or wherever he is. And I got to the end of it. I didn't realize it was, it was a TV show. For some reason, I thought it was like a movie or something. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's a TV show. And I didn't want to, like, invest the time to watch all of it. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, when we were working at my house, we watched it every night. And that was just on third season where they kept teasing the Grosjean crash every night. And mom and I kept saying, when is that going to happen? <laughs> I feel like I just talked to mom about this. And she was saying how, like, she dad had been trying to get her into racing forever and she was always like no 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 and then she's like when I watched Drive to Survive I was like oh I can get into this now because I see the people behind it and that's what interests me and I'm mm -hmm. in total agreement with her like I'm like yeah tell me the stories 100%. right and I, I've taken her to Brainerd for a couple of different events I took her to there was a sports car event it was a a um I can't remember if it was a vintage event or an SCCA event but I remember we went to the event they liked that it was aunt mom and Sarah and your, your previous guest and they liked it and then I took them over to the drag strip because they've changed Brainerd so they can drag and road race at the same time and like Sarah said this drag racing is cool so she really <laughs> liked that I, I'm not sure what she what with her attraction was to that but at the road racing, which is the, the paddock is completely open. 
people are like SCCA and vintage and vintage. They want you to come look at their things and they want to talk to you because that's their big deal. That's their shtick. And uh, so I think I was thinking they were going to get into that. And, and maybe you guys would, if I took you to a vintage race and you saw these vintage F1 cars just sitting there, you'd say, this is really cool. Anyways. <laughs> well, so we brought you on because we wanted we wanted you on, but we wanted to talk about, we went to the Long Beach Grand Prix and we wanted to talk about it. We've actually recorded this podcast once before, but lost the recording. So this is take two. Um, and I loved how it felt like very accessible, even for IndyCar. Yes. Like you, we didn't have paddock passes, but you could walk through hospitality and the paddock was literally right there and you could see the drivers. We saw that we saw so cool. one of the top drivers in the series, Joseph Newgarden, right there in his driving suit, getting ready to go. He's just across the fence from us, and and Michael and Dreddy, the team owner, eating lunch on the other side. Is it was pretty cool. Really, right That's there. That's who the dads were really excited about. Michael and Dreddy. Everyone's like, the dads. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a father and a son, and the father was like steering his son, like, look there he is. All the middle-aged guys. So Michael Andretti, his first race win at Long Beach, I think was in like 1982 in a Super V, which is a which is a smaller version of an IndyCar, a much smaller version of an IndyCar with a Volkswagen engine, like a Scirocco engine. And then the following year, he was done with Super V, but he came and raced the event and he won it again, convincingly, just like he like almost lapped the field, I think. And then the next year at Indy, he's at Long Beach in a, a in an Indy car. And he did really well. He didn't win. I think his dad did, but he did really well. And then two years later, he's winning at Long Beach. And he got a couple wins at Long Beach. It's, he likes Long Beach. It's a fun track for him. It does seem like Long Beach is one of the like more popular venues, both for fans and for the drivers for IndyCar. Yeah, I think... Uh, in uh, Long Beach is the second highest draw for IndyCar, second to way second to Indy, the Indy 500. The Indy 500 race days like 400,000 people, and then you got qualifying the weekend before, which is like, like 250,000 people for qualifying. It's crazy. Oh and then Long Beach is like 200,000 people, but it's still a lot of folks for a weekend to come in. But I don't know about you, Grace, but I thought. The whole event was accessible, like you said, and people were so nice and just helped us get wherever we needed to. It was it was really well organized and really fan friendly, I thought. Yeah, I was just telling a friend that I felt that like I was like, you could come and bring like she has a three year old. I was like, it was so easy to get around. Tons of space. Didn't feel too full. Everyone was friendly and helpful. Like I thought it was lovely. I had yeah, a good time. I and then the, the supporting events that they had were really fun, I thought. If we had come the day before, they had, uh, they had another uh, event called IMSA, and that would have been super fun. And qualifying would have been super fun. I think. And, but the day of the event, we were there with the vintage F1 cars that had years ago raced at Long Beach. It was pretty cool to see them back on the track where they had raced you know, 20, 30 years ago. That was cool. That was very fun. And we also saw Zach Brown race and then immediately like spin out the car. So that was, you know, 
That was a little disappointing. Yeah, that was the only text I got from the family while you were all at the race. It's just saw Zach Brown crash. He didn't crash. <laughs> I think he spun. I don't think he damaged the car. It was literally the first lap. Yes. He's <laughs> the tires weren't warm. I don't know. The tires weren't warm. Yeah. I have to say, I've been enjoying some of the Zach Brown slander from Daniel Ricardo fans the last couple of weeks. By that you mean Christian Horner. No. <laughs> well, no, it's all of the like online fans who are taking what Christian Horner has said and be like, look, McLaren and Zach Brown were so terrible to Daniel. <laughs> good yeah. entertainment yeah but mclaren has like a big indie car team yep they do yeah, who are the um, drivers paddle ward and alex below i think you're correct there yeah and uh, they have they have, i'd have to look they they pay homage to uh to mclaren with the coloring of their cars and uh, it's re- very obvious that they're aero mclaren and yeah that's cool that was something that really threw me was like the drivers do their own livery based on their sponsors. Yes. And I was like, where are the teams? I was, yeah. I was ready to do like <laughs> some nails for Andretti. And then I was like, wait, these cars don't even look like what? It's a learning curve for me. Which right. can't they also like change their liveries on their cars quite often? Yeah, they can change it throughout the year depending on where they are, what the race, what the event is, and what the sponsor wants. So the sponsor decides what what they want on the car, and and depending on how big the sponsor is, how much they get on the car too, how much space they get on the car, right? So there are now like Penske. You can tell the two Penske cars. I believe they're going to both be what is their sponsor, Verizon. So I think you can tell that those are Penske cars, but everything else is pretty much, it depends who the sponsor is, what the car is going to look like. But they're all the same chassis. It's all the same chassis. And yeah, let's two... get into the, okay. the differences between Formula One and IndyCar. So an IndyCar now, now as of the, the reunion from the split, there's one chassis, it's a Delara chassis. And I was gonna look, I think that's been in production. It's been in production a long time. They've been using the same chassis a while. And uh, it took a while to get this one. This one's pretty good, this chassis. And there are, uh, they have a, instead of having a halo, they have a windscreen. And I believe that windscreen was designed by Red Bull and Formula One didn't want it, but IndyCar said, yes, if we're gonna be doing if uh, Scott Dixon does 240 at Indy, we need something to protect him from flying objects. So they have they a really go 240 at Indy. Yeah, they'll. I think Scott Dixon qualified like a 234 uh, the last year, the year before, and the fastest it's ever been. And uh, crazy. It is. It's crazy fast. Yes. I think I had read that maybe Sebastian Vettel was a part of testing out the windscreen versus the halo when Red Bull was designing it. Really? I I had not read that. (laughs) (laughs) I could be wrong, but I do feel like I read about that. I, I like, obviously we're Formula One fans here, but I do feel like it feels a bit more open air 
with the halo because it's like their heads are out there I just watched a video did I send this to you Anne of Esteban Ocon reviewing like um racing movies and so he was reviewing you a did movie. send that what was the first movie Anne I don't remember I watched it a while back I, I watched think... it before you sent it it starred who's the Rocky Sylvester Stallone and that okay. is driven okay I own that and movie. they were driving that they were driving like little you know one seaters with no helmets on and he was like you would never do that because your head is hit over and over again <laughs> yeah, where was that that's it's like they didn't put their seatbelts on they didn't put their helmets on you wouldn't do it this way <laughs> no, they were like driving through the streets or something crazy yes. like that just chasing each other yes it was okay. it was yeah it was the movie is a little ludicrous yeah. um and then who plays uh another big name actor Sylvester Stallone and oh somebody else he was uh his character was in a wheelchair to sort of be like the uh Frank Williams of IndyCar yeah. and they okay. this is back when when Champ Car raced all over the world and they did some filming in Germany and they filmed at one of the racetracks in Germany I know so okay. I have to we could watch it sometime you gotta understand it's not it's not the quality of like Rush or Le Mans it's well Le Mans is the best it's definitely the pinnacle of <laughs> racing films Rush is pretty good it's got the a movie good story. where they don't talk for 35 minutes at the beginning is 22 the best. minutes without a character saying something there's dialogue in the background but it's just an announcer talking it's not a person talking <laughs> oh my gosh okay okay L let me bring us we back we digress um <laughs> so they use the same chassis they, yeah, use, they use two, two engines, engines but the teams have to pick and stick with it through the whole yes. season yes and two so they use suppliers. two suppliers does that mean they can like negotiate with the suppliers to change up the engines or it's no set? no it, and it's all formula just like just like formula one it's a formula it's a 2.2 uh, liter v6 turbo twin turbocharged engine yeah but and like they get a few races out of it they get like four races i think they get four engines a year that they can go through but in formula one like they can negotiate with whoever they want to bring in the engine i mean it has to meet the specifications but right like, it has Red to meet Bull the can go out and get a honda or i don't know oh right well any of the teams so i i don't think all the teams use one engine they don't have multiple they don't have two different engine suppliers the engine the teams so like Andretti okay. Autosport, one engine supplier. Because mm -hmm. that would be that would be suicide to have more than one engine supplier in a team. Yeah, because their budgets do seem like much smaller than Formula One. And I feel like I've confirmed that in the time since we last spoke. <laughs> right. So I think an IndyCar team, a top IndyCar team is like $10 million per car. Okay. And a lower rank IndyCar team, that's like... The, you know, the three top teams are, or four top teams, I guess I would say, are Roger Penske. Penske's the number one. Chip Ganassi's number two. Andretti Autosport, number three. And then you'd say maybe Errol McLaren, number four. And then like Foyt and Meyer Shank and uh, uh, who's the other one? Dale Coyne. And yeah, then you get some other ones. And I'm sure those are not spending 10 million dollars they're probably maybe spending half that 
and um, getting in the race. Okay, that brings me to watching the race. Oh my gosh, the way that they would like go out there, turn the car around and be like, back in it, baby. That felt <laughs> like- Oh, like when they, they, when they had a spin out or something? Yeah, and then, they yes. spun out or the engine died or they crashed. They would just get people out on the tracks, fix them up quick. And they, as long as they could make it back to like the the pit, they kept going. Or if they could keep going, they could. Or if yeah. they could just keep going, they kept going. Yeah. And that and that, that kind of harkens back to, I mean, that was perfectly natural. Like I'd watched a lot of SCCA racing. Like if you could get it running again, you get going. <laughs> just get going. It's really giving Fernando Alonso vibes because everyone yeah. else in Formula One is like, I got tapped, I'm out. And Fernando's like, the car will drive. He <laughs> <laughs> just only has one wheel. Yeah, he's well, like that, soaring that to... through the air and he's like, the car will drive. <laughs> And that gets to the other thing is a lot of IndyCar drivers will do other other uh, series, uh, at least part-time. Like I think um, like Andretti Autosport and Penske, they both have Formula E teams. None of the drivers do that, but they also have some endurance teams. Like Penske does NASCAR, endurance, Formula E. He's got, he's in everything except Formula One. And uh, his drivers can do like the 24 hours of Daytona. I think, I think um, uh, Roman Grosjean did the 24 hours of Daytona, right? He did a big endurance yeah. race and that's, that's just perfectly natural. That's what they do is they, they consider it like a warm up to do mm -hmm. the Daytona 24 hours. The accessibility was really, it's really different. I think at least it was from my experience with formula one at Coda the accessibility was definitely not the same. Whereas at Long Beach, like to get to our grandstand, we basically had to go through the paddock and we saw everything just sitting right there. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in college and we were in Milwaukee, even though it was a Friday, it's still like, which would have been different than a Sunday, but it still felt like you could just like wander anywhere you wanted, which was really fun. Yeah. I guess I was going to say the other thing you were asking about team budget. You said that, uh, the, so we talked about budget. So a car in the IndyCar, the top teams are like 10 million and the bottom teams are probably like $5 million a car, but she usually, the teams have at least two cars. Some teams have more. Which and, with that then, $10 million uh, a car, is that like for the chassis and engine or? Yeah, to do a season. And all of the other stuff. It's, it, yeah, it's going to cost you $10 million okay. to run a season, but she, probably get by with less if you use fewer tires fewer engines and you know you don't have backup chassis and other you got like one chassis or two chassis and you're to make the whole season with that you can do it but you, you're running the risk you run out or you have to go buy another one you know <laughs> like go you buy crash it on chassis. saturday you crash it on saturday you're not racing you're on not sunday because you don't have sunday. a backup yeah I... <laughs> And then the driver's salaries are completely different. You know, they're like the top salary in Formula One is what? Uh, Zach, uh, Zach, uh, Max for Stappen uh, is like max is fifty-five like, is 60, million dollars. 60, Sixty million, fifty-five million, and probably the max in IndyCar is I don't know. I'm guessing like four million, something like that. And the minimum in IndyCar is like seven hundred fifty thousand. So it's drastically different. Just drastically oh, yeah. different. Well, yeah. I think so. 
do you have to have like a super license in IndyCar? Like you have to have in Formula One? Well, you have to have a license. And uh, I don't believe do you mean a, a driver's license. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do have to be. I was reading. I think you have to be 18 to drive in IndyCar. Okay. And I know there's been some drivers that have been real close to that. But at, I think that there have been a couple of Formula One drivers who didn't have their driver's license. Max didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and he was 17. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was because of Max that they made the super license system. I Is think. It? No, 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 no. no. There's been but a super license for a while. For their but they did make license. a rule saying you have to be at least 18 for Formula One now. But you have to pay for your super license, and it depends on how many points you scored in the previous year, how much you pay for it. The more points, the less I think. you pay. I didn't know that. The more you pay, so I think Max pay, paid like uh, over five hundred thousand dollars for his super license. But for this past as, uh, year? I was going to say, interesting. I was going to say at the Indianapolis five hundred that race, that's like a, it's almost like a separate race unto itself, and during. During the the split between championship auto racing teams and the IndyCar, they were really split. And to race at, at the Indy 500, you had different set of rules. They, had, they used basically the same car, but they had slightly different rules. But the main thing was you could be the best driver in the Champ Car Series. You come to Indy and you're a rookie. If you haven't done it before, you're a rookie. You go through rookie training, you go through rookie qualifying, you have to prove that you can do it. It was, it was amazing, but it's still kind of that way. If you're a rookie at Indy, you have to go through rookie training, rookie rookie practice and show okay, that you what can. what is that? Well, it's basically. Yeah, like instead of getting a super license, you have to do rookie training and at, show at you Indy, know how to drive at, on at, a Noble. At, the, uh, at a rectangle, at the Indy 500. Because the, the Indy 500 is actually, it's a, it's a rectangle with four corners, four rounded corners. And um, but they'll, they'll take you up through speeds and to demonstrate that you can go 150, 175, 200 miles per hour, then 225, something like that. And bring gradually bring you up to speed and then say, yep, okay, you're good now. And now you can qualify. So it has, Speaking it's like its Fernando, own sort of licensing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get it. Speaking of Fernando Alonso again, no, he has tried to do the whole triple crown, right? Yeah. And that involves the Indy 500. Right. So the triple crown to As Anne told me, 500 miles. 500 miles, 200 laps. <laughs> Is that true? 500 miles. It's 500 miles? 500 miles, 200 500 laps. laps. No. It's 500, 500 miles. miles. I said laps, laps last time. 200 okay. laps. And that uh, was wrong. But the triple crown to most people in in the U.S., the triple crown of auto racing is the uh, Indy 500, it, Le Mans, and the uh, Monaco. So it's like different types of cars. Which I know he's won yeah, Monaco. Has he won Le Mans? Apparently he's won Le Mans. He's after he the Indy 500. He's after the Indy 500. Yeah. He's waiting until he retires from Formula One to do the Indy 500. When he's 60. Is that what he's going to do? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm going to make so Mario, Mario Andretti chased the Triple Crown for a while. He did He did Le Mans. He's, he's like, did Le Mans in 66. You know, my one of my favorite movies, Ford versus Ferrari. 
that was what 66 in 67 mario's there driving for the ford team and he was basically in the winning car and then got crashed and and then uh was out of the race but he kept trying to win that race he tried several times with the son michael and they could they came close i think they came third at le mans a couple times and it's per not my, easy for my very quick google of this i believe that fernando alonso has won le mans twice actually wow. which seems wow. insane yeah yeah that guy so needs it, hobbies <laughs> I guess Taylor Swift will do for now. So, so far, so far, we only have one winner of the Triple Crown. That's uh, Graham Hill, Damon Hill's father. Yeah. And he uh, he pulled it off. I don't know when he won Le Mans. I remember him winning the Indy and Monaco. He was like, he was like the master of Monaco. The, uh, oh, yeah. Hill. That's What was that? His nickname? Something of Monaco. Yeah. Something of Monaco. Right. He and um, uh, Ayrton Senna with the, the Demons of Monaco, I think. The Demons of Monaco. Because <laughs> they won so many times. Okay, I'm going to look this up too. We're going to be an, on the Up and Up podcast. So that would be super fun to see uh, to see Fernando come back, to see him do a full season. But that's another thing about IndyCars. You don't have to do a full season. Like I remember years ago, Al Unser, uh, Roger Penske, Roger Penske contracted Alan Sir to do the big oval races for a year, for one year, one season. So Al took the job. Al, come May, end of May, Al wins the Indy 500, and he's just doing the big ovals. He won the Indy 500. He's leading the championship. And and Penske, being the wise man that he is, says, okay, you can do the rest of the season. Too. So Al ends up winning the, the season championship Oh my gosh because he's a great driver and, and just roger said okay instead of a three-car team we'll make it a four-car team and uh <laughs> al senior you got a car now i would say uh the whole point system is very confusing to me in the car but i think part of that is that like the points for the indy 500 are like double that of anything else and then also it's like how they divide up the points in normal races on to me. Well, everybody, if you finish a race, you get a point. You get points. And the winner gets 50 points. The person who led, the driver who went led the most laps gets two points. If you lead a lap, you get a point. So there isn't much differentiation there. And then it goes, the winner gets 50 points, second is 30, 40 points, and the third is like 35 points, and it goes from there. And it's, now, not, it's been, not all even, but... If you've been leading a bunch of laps and then you crash near the end, do you get any points? Well, you'll get, um, yeah, you'll get you'll get points for leading laps. <laughs> so like Ramon on where you... in Texas got points, because wasn't he yes. swapping with the lead? Well, I don't know if he was in the league, but he was up near the league. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, that's IndyCar is wild. Right. And there, there are major Indy. differences, but another big difference between Formula One and IndyCar is the start. 
And IndyCar, yes. it's a rolling start and mainly to uh, for safety. So you don't have those big crashes, but you can go back and look at like the early 70s. There were some horrible, tragic crashes at Indy, even with the rolling start because it, was your happening? tires aren't hot. Well, the cars were hitting each other. Yeah, you have to go look back at some old, old video of the uh, this early 70s Indy 500. It was pretty, pretty bad. But it's mostly to prevent the big crashes like you see at the start of uh, Formula One races. And, and also, so if there's like a, um, a caution, a full course caution, they'll do another rolling start at that. They won't, you know, um, if they have like a red flag on a race where they stop it completely to clear something and then restart it, it'll do a rolling start. So there's one thing you might have noticed. A standing start. Right, right. Now, um, one thing I know, Grace, you probably noticed at the Long Beach Grand Prix, when they did that rolling start, the start finish is just following a hairpin turn. When that rolling start got going, there were people, there were cars still getting around the hairpin and they'd wave the green flag. So if you're in the back, it's a dis, it's a disadvantage to be back that far. But yeah, it's possible, and especially at Indy. Indy has been won by like, every position on the grid and the 33 positions on the grid and at Indy there are three cars per row so it's 11 rows of three 33 cars and That's there have so been crazy. winners from every position how many cars typically try and qualify for those 33 spots because I know well, Fernando Alonso when he was trying to get the triple count he tried to qualify for Indy and wasn't able to like get a good enough time right it's competitive so like there have been years where they struggled to fill the field with 33 i think they've always filled it with 33 and uh but most of the time they're probably 10 15 cars that don't make the field they just don't and um yeah you'll get privateers that come out and try to get in the show yeah well okay just to take it back Formula One used to be sort of similar too, right? Where you had to qualify for races. And so there were like teams coming and going yes. in like the 70s and 80s. The, the 70s. Just the and 70s. There were, there were a few maybe in the 80s and 90s, a few, but mostly in the 70s, there were some teams. I remember reading about, a, uh, there was this guy that bought a used Penske Formula One chassis and tried to qualify for Germany. He didn't quite qualify but he ended up, he snuck on the track at the start and started the race. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? I just read about this. Well, that would never happen gosh. these days. No, right? No. Well, no. and now it's sort of interesting watching people talk about like as Formula One is trying to change up its, um, its like what they're doing each weekend. And people are like, oh, that's not it. But it's like Formula One has always been changing and trying different things and seeing sure. what sticks. Sure. Yeah, Dad, what yeah. do you think of the new sprint format for this weekend yeah, this... for Formula One? Do you have any thoughts? The sprint format? Oh, I think it's this? a great idea. I think they kind of borrowed that from the Detroit Grand Prix, the IndyCar race in Detroit. They have two races. And I think it's it's like genius to um, have two races because like we didn't come to Saturday but if it had been a race we might have considered coming just for a short period of time for that race 
yeah. so I think it's really builds fan enthusiasm and it gives you a shorter event, I think, which I think is good. I think packaging it into two 45 minute races or something like that is like totally smart. It's great. Think about your TV sponsor. They say, yes, we'd love a one hour event. I can pack with commercials at the beginning and the end. Yes, let's do this. And during the event, you can have it in a small screen or something. That's dad says another issue with IndyCar is that it doesn't have a time limit. Right. It's just a lap, which is not. Right. not I kind of love that Formula One has that time limit and they're just like, <laughs> oh, rained for two hours. Bummer. And you're this like, what? <laughs> it's so ludicrous, but it's kind <laughs> of like, I like that. Yeah. So there's another, the rain thing. That's another one. So on a road course, if it rains, they'll drive. But on a oval or a rectangle like Indy, if it rains, it's done. No rain because the speeds are so high and the grip is not enough in the corners where they can do it. So there's no rain. You stop. So well, I thought they were doing difference. some uh, some of the like, first weekend of testing at Indy this past weekend, and they couldn't do all of it because it rained at some point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've heard, I feel like what I've heard is that the downforce of Formula One versus IndyCar is like, I don't know the right way to say that, more serious, more, they, they're they better at turning and taking those fast turns, right? Well, the downforce is very much prescribed by the chassis, so they, they can only get so much and, uh, in, in, in IndyCar. Because they're all doing. They both are are pretty much prescribed by how the floor is defined and the wings are defined. So it's pretty much defined. You can't you can't you can't exceed uh, physics, right? Sure, but I mean, isn't a big issue with the Formula One cars this year and last year like that? Some of the cars had so much porpoising from being so low with the. Like and they want the cars low to get maximum downforce, but then the drivers can't tolerate it, so they're like driving the cars not at their ideal height anymore. I, well, I think the porpoising was as the the car developed Formula One as the car developed more downforce, it sucked it down right, mm-hmm. and it gets to a point where it goes too far, and then it breaks the downforce and it pops up. So that's mm-hmm. what the porpoise is. So it, it's like it's like an oscillation where it just gets too much force, then it pops it back up, and that that would be insane. So, but both prescribed the floors, the wings, it's all the fun. So you defeat physics, and they can only get as much as the rules allow. Yes, they're and, but still, but uh, but they're also packages. So it's a it's a chassis. So indie cars have a defined chassis but you have different wings and other components for the races. So like for a street course like Long Beach, they have big wings front and back to get more downforce because they okay. need it on the, the turns. Yeah, all but the at, turns. But at Indy, so if you watch the Indy qualifying, you'll see all of a sudden they've got these tiny wings on the front and the back because they don't need as much downforce. They need top end speed. Okay. And they have so much speed; those little wings are generating force. And if they put, if they put the full wings on, they couldn't get those speeds. Which, after yeah. the IndyCar, in some ways, almost functions 
slightly more similarly to how formula two functions just in terms of like formula two is also a standard chassis an engine and it's just like setup changes within that chassis that you're able to make instead of being a constructor series like formula one yes yeah it's not a constructor series and that was that was a very conscious decision based on a lot of things but to reduce cost they use a standard chassis similar like nascar does the same thing they use a standard chassis and they just put a different body paint on it to give it a different look but it's a standard chassis just to keep the cost down to so so you can have like i said you'll have like 45 cars qualifying at indy because you can afford it right whereas formula one limits it to 10 teams of two cars 20 cars max and it's a pretty high price to get in the barrier to entry is high in formula one where it's much lower in indycar I've heard that NASCAR is struggling financially. Yeah. Do you like I, I it's so surprising because Formula One is doing so well. And that to some degree seems to have rubbed off on IndyCar a little bit. I where, think like so. the I longest think I've seen grid a lot of like people who do like Formula One podcasts are going to IndyCar and like getting invites and like doing interviews with IndyCar stars, which I think is kind of cool. Why do you think that it hasn't rubbed off in the same way with NASCAR? Um, maybe some of the venues aren't as uh, fan-friendly, like uh, Long Beach was so wide open. Part of that is just kind of like the layout, right? There's no place have like the teams completely separate and walled off like at a big oval like Daytona they can be a little more separate where you just can't access them at Long Beach it wouldn't be possible there's not enough room to keep them completely separate they have to be accessible right interesting so, so you're saying the ovals yeah. it's a little bit more like you you don't get that same access yeah you don't get that same access but like like at, at Indy, Indy 500 in Indianapolis, Indiana, you still want to go close because it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, what do you want to call it? The, what, how did uh, Burt Monroe say, what did Burt Monroe say when he walked up to uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats and he just said, oh, I remember he said, this is holy ground. <laughs> I did. Okay. I have to say I loved, we had really nice grandstand seats, as you can see behind dad there, if you're watching the video, but I loved walking the track and like seeing how close oh. I could get and feeling the wind of the cars, like as they drove by and seeing all the different, like just getting to see the whole track was so much fun. Yeah. And I heard yeah. you and Jamie got to see the, the like checkered flag right there. I did. Yeah. yeah we were scoping yeah so now i've been to indy i've done a lap at indy and it wouldn't be as accessible you just have to with four hundred thousand people there you're just not going to get around and it's basically um, so, the entire rectangle surrounded by grandstands at indy no no it's not really it's and there's a track inside the the, the oval and oh yeah there's a golf there's a golf course and a museum inside the thing. So there's a lot of going <laughs> inside this thing. 
I did love at the Long Beach Grand Prix, there were all of these like walking paths over the track. So Jamie and I just like crisscrossed the track going back over to see all the different, it was, and during the race and you can hear and feel the cars like driving under you. Yeah, That was very rad. That is so fun. So yeah. it's it it's it's different. It's got a standard chassis where in Formula One, each team has a chassis, or almost each team. And then, uh, but it does, it is to keep the the cost down because if they didn't keep the cost down, there was fear that the whole series would just collapse. So they had to do something to make it uh, to keep it alive. How long but ago I was think... a switch between being a constructor to a standard chassis? Like twenty years ago, well, fifty years ago, two thousand two. 2008, I think, was the they standardized on the chassis, and I don't know how long this chassis has been. And they've had they've gone through at least two, and some of the first ones weren't that good. I mean, I remember, you know, all the carbon fiber parts they put on they they touch each other, and then all of a sudden the track would be covered with carbon fiber shards, and they had to get all the stuff off. So they made drastic improvements on that because, like at Long Beach, we saw none of that. I mean, when there were touches in that. We didn't see any problem with carbon fiber shards all over it. And well, the people who run IndyCar must have been worried that like if that kept happening, all the teams would be like, we don't want to do this anymore. These cars are crap. Well, <laughs> and they just had they just had too much stuff on them and they had to uh, fix that. So there were but, different uh, packages, aero packages available and they kind of got rid of the the that stuff. I have two thoughts on this. One I remember Jamie asking, like, I've heard that in IndyCar, the cars can, like, hit each other. And <laughs> Dad had a, a hot comeback on this. I said, that's not hitting, that's rubbing. And rubbing is racing. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoyed that. And two, I haven't, I'm, I'm ready and excited to see a Formula One car as close as I possibly can but I will say like the feeling of those indie cars it felt very like toy car and also the sounds that they use when they're like um doing the radios during the on-air broadcast with IndyCar it's very like Star Wars video game like like (laughs) it's yeah it's a real like couldn't believe they were just like interviewing drivers during the formation laps Wait, what? On TV, yeah. On, I didn't. What I think did they you were. tell us about this? Through the car? Were they asking them questions in the car? Yeah. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. It's kind of fun. Say- I feel like Formula One really struggles with accessibility. For all that Drive to Survive has made it like such a fan favorite. They're still not great at like understanding how to connect drivers with the audience and teams with the audience. Any cars out here, like, let's interview the drivers while they drive the cars. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder how much that has changed since Liberty bought Formula One, because I feel like we do... Like, there's an oppressive amount of kind of, like, online content that comes out from Formula One, where even if you don't watch Drive to Survive, 
you can see interviews with the drivers constantly. You can see like their radio from in the car. And I don't know if that would have been nearly as accessible before they were bought by Liberty, which was in like 2016 or 17, right before Drive to Survive. What do you think, Dad? You watched it Formula One before them. Oh, it's much more accessible that way with since Liberty bought them, yes. And but but the um, communication was nothing like it is now. Like it used to be like, it was like signs over the pit wall. That was when I started watching, that's what it was. Signs on the pit wall and you did this. And in, in Formula One, when I went to Formula One at Long Beach, you used the, the same tire to start the race, to end the race. And you didn't, you didn't refuel. There was no pits. You just kept running unless you had a problem, then you came into the pit. So you'd make the whole race wow. on one set of tires on one fuel. And now IndyCar, as soon as Indy came in, that, no, that was completely different. Indy, <laughs> we need pits. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got tires and we got fuel. And uh, Which, with yeah, IndyCar, so, I know they have two different tire compounds. There's like the standard and there's a, there's some, Funky there's name three, the three, three, three compounds. There's Is it the, really? Uh, I could have sworn that it was only two, Dad. There's the uh, three. The uh, hard, medium, and soft. And that was interesting too, because at the beginning of the race, we're watching that, and uh, the Andretti Green, Andretti, Andretti uh, Autosport started on the soft, and Joseph Newgarden started on the hards. He was on the blacks. I whoa, he was able to sort of keep up. But um, he started slowing towards the, I was surprised, slowing towards the end. And then he came in and he switched to softs. And I think Andretti Autosport switched to the hards. But by that time, oh yeah. Yeah, I read later that Joseph Newgarden had to conserve fuel because he probably burned too much fuel trying to keep up with the, the hard hearts. tires. So that uh, makes sense. Okay, okay. I've all the record, the for yeah. the record, there's primary black, an alternate red, and then there's rain tires, and that's it. Oh, they were, they were on green. They were on green. Yeah, what are the greens, Anne? You better make. You better check like yourself. No, this is they from like, like the uh, Firestone website, who makes the IndyCar tires. The the okay, they were on greens. What they said were like uh, made from uh, what renewable? What was it? It was uh, biodegradable rubber. The greens were biodegradable. Really? Yeah, it's called an alternative tire. Yeah, that's they called it alternate red on here. I don't know, Annie. But yeah, there's just there's the primary and then there's alternate. Really? That's all that's what I'm finding, and that's what I heard well, on the commentary. Well, Grace does some more research. The green, the green is the is the soft. <laughs> yeah, I'm too deep in this now, guys. Okay, that's well, a sustainable tire. The greens are sustainable, just so you know. Oh yeah. Well, Grace does some more research. That, uh, I have a question for Dad, which is: there has been rumors. And speculation recently that Liberty may want to buy IndyCar really? and turn it into a feeder series, another feeder series, but in the United States. What do you think of that, Dad? 
I think Roger Penske owns the series, so I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but if the price, if the price is right, maybe so. I'd be disappointed. But what have you found, Grace? Well, it's hard to say because I found the website you're looking at, but I honestly think that's out of date because they did not have those colors at this race. <laughs> I will say it is quite often more difficult to find information about what's happening in IndyCar compared to IndyCar is so much more confusing. Like Formula One is pretty straightforward TV. And like there's the Formula One app and the Formula One website. Like everything you want to know, you can find there. Yeah. Which is nice. Come on. And they have the streaming service that also runs through there. (laughs) But I will say IndyCar is also accessible. If you look at their website, they'll tell you what races are on NBC and in your time zone so you know when it's going to be on. So Sunday morning, you come home from church, you can flip on NBC and there's your IndyCar race. (laughs) They'll pray for you and they'll drive your IndyCar. My friend Zach stayed up. Wait, wait, wait. And and the IndyCar season basically ends by the time NFL football starts. Well, it is definitely like more American than Formula One, which I guess you got the time zone benefits, right? Because yeah. people hate waking up at like, yeah, you know, three in the morning. I like yeah. it personally. I say, <laughs> you ready great. for four in the morning for Baku, Grace? Yeah, I'm going to be working. Actually, I'm working a 24 hour shift that day. So yes, I am. I may be <laughs> awake that time anyways. My friend um, Zach stayed up to watch Australia and I saw him this past weekend and he mentioned, it. I was like, oh, wasn't it such a great race? And he was so annoyed with how it had ended. I was annoyed. <laughs> He's like, it was such a lame ending. Yeah, they should. that's where Formula One needs to implement the rolling start is in those like red flags they're gonna red flag all the time which i'm not i'm not saying they shouldn't i actually think like for safety concerns then they really should red flag but they Mm -hmm. need a rolling start come on call me lando norris (laughs) well they should have been able to see that like all weekend in australia everybody had been having trouble with tire temperature and like sliding off track and and then you add in this like sun going into their eyes on top of that yeah, I was thinking about um, I was thinking about IndyCar, and I was thinking about remember at the remember um the start of the race they had like five accurate NSXs or ten accurate NSXs. We were like, and they were electric, and they were just silent. And then the IndyCars came, and it was loud. Even with the twin turbos, they're loud. And I was thinking maybe Indy will be the one that switches from internal combustion engines to electric the big series that switches like formula e is doing it right yeah why not that is the entire draw formula e right but maybe indycar ought to do it just make the jump and go to electric what do you think about that doesn't feel very american why not you could you could get the, (laughs) the motor suppliers the battery suppliers instead of getting honda and Chevy to sponsor. Now you get the motor suppliers. Like, who makes motors? Emerson and the batteries are Tesla. You could be sponsored. Get a major uh, series sponsor 
for the battery manufacturers. I don't think it's a bad idea. I like it. It made me very excited to go see Formula E because I want to hear those quiet cars. I just saw a video with someone in Formula One being like, you know, it used to be so loud, but as soon as the hybrid era hit, it's like you really don't even need earplugs. As soon as the cars are on the track, you can hear each other. And I was like, what? So I'm very intrigued by this. Yeah, I would be intrigued as well. Yes. I was surprised how loud they were because I had remembered when I went to Long Beach uh, back in the 80s for the IndyCar, I didn't think it was as loud, but maybe my ears were more tolerant then. But they were all using or mostly using Ford Cosworth turbocharged V8s. And maybe they were quieter than these twin turbo V6s. I don't know. But in Formula One lore, it's always like, the V10. That's what everyone's trying to get back to, right? Where it was just like, like super loud. <laughs> oh, there was, I did read a little bit about the engine formula and there was a period of time where they were, uh, what was it? Three and a half liter V10s and it was wide open like that. And they weren't turbocharged. Yeah, they, they weren't turbocharged. Yeah. And that turbocharger really quiets the engine it quiets the engine noises it helps um because i remember back in the day like in long beach even in the 80s there would be the really really low budget teams would use uh would use a chevy v8 like well you wouldn't even know but it would be an old pushrod v8 and it would be so loud it would be so loud it sounded great but it would be loud maybe that's what i was thinking compared to the pushrod v8s the uh turbocharged v8s were much quieter but maybe it's just because the the difference in sound but the lower teams you could get a you could get a pushrod v8 from traco in southern california or i don't know what it wouldn't be much you didn't you don't have to run all the races you could just run the ones you want there'd be privateer teams that maybe would just do Long Beach, Riverside, and Laguna Seca. And that was the, the extent of their se- the season for them. You had one chassis, don't crash it, and you get a Traco V8. You can do all three se- three races. Do you, you, get a, you make get money for winning races in IndyCar? Yes. yes. You get a, yeah, you get money. You get a purse. Yes. Okay. Do they have a, do you win money to from winning races in Formula One, or is it just the constructors' prizes at the end? I think it's just the constructors. Dad, I don't know. <laughs> he does. I don't. But I think it's I think it's the constructors. I, that would be my thought too. I just wasn't sure. They don't even get to keep the trophies when they win the Formula One races. <laughs> They don't get to keep the trophies. No, that's why they've started handing out these like medals. With well, okay, the, the drivers so they don't get to keep the trophies. Yes, the teams keep the trophies. Do they? I think so. She doesn't know that. She's just okay. making that up. I barely. So, but they seen... all have their just like giant, like walls of trophies back at their factories from the past. No. Have you seen the Borg Warner Trophy? What's that? That's the trophy you get for winning the Indy 500. And they make a, a picture, they make a sculpture of your face and put it in the Borg Warner trophy. So the winners, 
the winners, an image of the winner's face is on the trophy. You'll have to look up the Borg <laughs> Warner trophy. It's it's a deal. And once you win that thing, it's like that you hardly have time to do anything else in your life that year because you're going all over the place and meeting people. You're 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 starting Wall Street. You know, you're ringing the barrel at Wall Street. Like, uh, who is it? Uh, Marcus Erickson. He was like so taxed from doing stuff. He had to. He started Wall Street. He rang the bell. It's a big deal. It's, a, it's like it's he a won the Miss America changer. contest. No, no. <laughs> okay, I've got some. Um, I've got some information from F1Chronicle.com. Okay. I don't know if this is a legitimate news source, but <laughs> it's a real vibe for <laughs> Formula One. Is these like halfway blogs okay there is prize money distributed throughout the season the majority of it is at the end of the season um but they get multiple installments throughout the season and there is prize money for individual races um of the teams who finish within the top 10 of those individual races wow so that's part of the motivation to win now again f1 chronicle is it real i don't know but it says it's written by media on january 12 2023 media media is the author (laughs) annie media 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 no my eighth graders turned in a research paper this week and i don't know if media would count as an author on a source (laughs) (laughs) what is there was there's some video where a, like you know the when blogs became like so big there was definitely a period of time where I feel like bloggers were getting media passes for Formula One and so there's like a video where someone says they're from graining.com and Sebastian Vettel's like you're from where <laughs> and he's like <laughs> graining.com <laughs> those were the days I had to have a conversation with a freshman today of you can't trust everything that you see on TikTok. Oh no. It's bad. TikTok has infected all of the young people's brains. <laughs> um, okay, another crazy thing to me about IndyCar that I know they used to do in Formula One is refueling. Yes. That is nutty. Yeah, it's a thing. They refuel. Um, they use uh, ethanol as their fuel, and um, it's renewable. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything's <laughs> renewable in a sense. Oh, no, I mean, I, I think it's... <laughs> Just it's depends on how long it may take to renew it. Corn-based, uh, corn-based uh, ethanol. Very and, American. Uh, okay, but just to be clear on the greenwashing of this, ethanol is renewable in the sense that you can grow more corn, but it's yeah. just as equal of a polluter as natural gas. In fact, it may be dirtier. Yeah, I don't know the, the caloric content of each. I don't know. I don't, anyways. Either way, you're producing a greenhouse gas. Yes, yes. Much like decaying matter. I talked to grandpa about that and says, yes, even when kelp decays, it produces a greenhouse gas. Sure. Yeah. As things decay. I mean, but. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) 
But isn't there a whole thing? I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I do think there's stuff about how a lot of carbon is actually stored in the deep sea. And so there's, that's a very big concern with the warming oceans is the release of this stored carbon from decaying plant mass that has been stored basically in these like very cold ocean temperatures. Dad's like, we're off the map. We're I have not been there. <laughs> I thought we were talking about race cars. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Indy cars and Long Beach Grand Prix. So we haven't talked much about the race itself. Yes. I thought the, the strategy that uh, uh, Kyle Kirkwood used was excellent. Um, what was it? It's just like the office. I'm going to start fast. I'm going to keep going fast and I'm going to finish fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Kyle Kirkwood I, got his first win thought he did a great it was great race strategy good setup really and he led off. almost the I entire race yeah and he teamed well with his uh his teammate uh Roman it would have been fun to see Roman win but there was no drama there they just kept going and uh uh it would have been fun to Joseph see him have the ability to at least fight for the win at the end yeah yeah, he was so Newgarden close, but like there wasn't ever really a point where you felt like he might have a chance. Yeah, Joseph Newgarden really fell off at the end because I think he burned up too much fuel at the beginning. He had to he just dropped back and uh, he had to conserve fuel. Um, what else? I thought uh, I thought another really good race was from uh, uh, Colton Herta, who I got to say hello to in the pits, which is super fun. Shout out to Colton! Thanks for talking <laughs> to me. <laughs> That was that was a super special moment. Um, no, I thought he had a great race too. So, all in all, that was good strategy. And uh, I think Grace, you had the best place where you moved around. You could find a place where there was more passing and more of that. And where where we were, our grandstands were good in that we got to see a lot of the car. We didn't get to see much passing. And no. Passing yeah. Saw, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess, yeah, obviously there's certain corners that are good for passing, but it's cool to think about like finding those places and checking them out. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to do some so research if, well, what on the would Budapest you do circuit before we go, Grace. If you were to go to, let's say you were to go to Road America to watch IndyCar, would you want to be in a grandstand or would you just do general admission and walk around? I think I'm leaning towards general admission and walking around because I enjoyed that so much. And that's, but I will say it was very difficult to like really follow the race. I could keep kind of track who was in the top three, but then I was kind of like, I don't know what's happening out there. Yeah. And I need to talk to my friend, John, my good friend, John, and ask him, Hey, was the, was the PA out? Cause I think after the, the, that pastor made the invocation, all of a sudden, boom, the sound went out and we couldn't, yeah. we heard nothing about the race. And normally in, in the old, in, in, in my day, it was Bruce Flanders announcing the race saying stuff like Mario Andretti has just passed the whole field for the <laughs> second time. <laughs> well, was the... The, oh, there were people next to us in the grandstands who were listening to the race on their like fancy earmuffs. Yeah, earmuffs. I don't know what they were. It looked like a walkie-talkie. I don't know what they were using, but I think there's an app. I think the IndyCar app will get you the sound from the event. 
real time. So I, if I were to do, say, just on the off chance that I'm not in California June 19th and I'm at Road America that weekend, <laughs> I'd look into that app. <laughs> See? I'd look into that app. I think that, yeah, I'm. that's making me be like, we better get our data together for the yeah the Hungarian Grand Prix. Get your data together. I should have gotten my data together a little. I should have talked to John, my good friend John. Shout out to John. He really helped me out on the seats and how to get there and the parking. That really helped. But I'd say even the Long Beach Grand Prix website got me through everything I really needed. And we got, think of, we got those seats, the top row in Grandstand 16. You just bought yeah, them, right? I was on it with that. You know that I like the minute those went on sale, I bought them. I yeah. was like, those are for me. Um, <laughs> we're actually sponsored by the Long Beach Grand Prix, the Acura the Long Beach Grand Prix. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, I, I mean, like the way that, that it was set up, all we needed was, I think the grandstand on Sunday is probably good. But if I were to go again, I'd go like either Friday or Saturday with a general admission and just walk around. Because in the end, those grandstands are open on Friday and Saturday, except for maybe main things where like they're big races or something. Then they'll check your tickets. Otherwise, it's like a free for all. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I remember in Milwaukee, which made it really yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. 1010 would recommend get out there, guys. Go find your next race. Formula E's racing in Portland in June. IndyCar is all over. It's very American. Prepare yourself for the Americanness of it all, but <laughs> still fun. Yes. Been all in the and this weekend, this weekend, uh, we're down in uh, at Barber Motorsports in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a beautiful. I I highly recommend just watching the start. It'll be the greenest grass you've ever seen at Birmingham, Alabama. The track is just spectacular. It's got elevation changes, turns. It's got a little dirt. So if you get off the track, you kick up dirt. It's like, it's like road racing heaven. I highly recommend it. Well, Ann and I will be at the Baku Grand Prix. <laughs> and it's like it, it's like at noon on Sunday. So if you don't get enough after Baku, then turn on NBC for free. <laughs> and all you need, all you need is your digital antenna, and you're watching. You can watch. You can I watch wanna... IndyCar at Birmingham, and I you'll wanna... you recognize the cars the second time through. And I'm making a prediction: Colton Herta is going to win the. He's going to win. He's going to win Birmingham. <laughs> but I knew it was a B. Birmingham, Barber Motorsports. Okay. 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 <laughs> Two well, I just think he's on a roll. He's just getting hooked up with his engineer, his team. Things are looking better. He's getting hooked in. He's I just can't wait in. for the day when Roman wins. Yeah, I know. That'll be a fun day. Yes, it will. For sure. Well. Well. Do we want to talk any hot goss for Baku before we go? Here's my hottest Formula One gossip. Um, I've got three points here. <laughs> One, Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift. I love it. I think it's perfection. Completely fan driven. 
I'm obsessed with Will Buxton asking Fernando Alonso about it. And Fernando, have you had a chance to watch the weekend warm up yet? Have you had a chance to watch the weekend warm up? Okay, so Will Buxton is on it this week, and be in the lead up to and after him asking Fernando Alonso about this. They use like 20 Taylor Swift puns in like three minutes. It's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. I feel like Taylor Swift has to be like, I don't even know what she's probably hasn't even heard this. It's not even (laughs) a tinkling in her radar, (laughs) but I'm obsessed. So love that too. The formula, what is that called, Annie? This is not a good look for me. Formula uh, <laughs> something. The F1 Academy? Yes, thank you. Yes. F1 Academy being so inaccessible. So it's like very difficult to watch it. It's very difficult to hear anything about it. It's difficult for journalists to get in. Is that the deal, Ian? I don't know about the journalist side, but definitely like there's no way to watch it. Uh, there's only like live timings and then they're going to do recaps on the Monday after and which I was heck? I read something earlier today where they were saying like they're never going to be at the same track as Formula One which means that all the media infrastructure that comes with Formula One that's there for Formula Two and Formula Three is not going to exist for mm-hmm. the the F1 Academy um and I also it's just such a huge bummer because it's like it's very obvious in service to getting more women into Formula One but if teams aren't able to see then these girls are not going to be able to get any sort of sponsorships or support to move them into other categories yeah yeah which I I also heard that the only way that improves is by making a fuss about it Yes, (laughs) but I've also heard it's possibly because they, uh, since the W series collapsed last year, they hadn't necessarily been uh, before that planning on starting F1 Academy this year, and so they had like a year less than they were thinking they might have in order to figure out all of this stuff. Well, I will be watching to see if this all improves, but I'm certainly. I will say I trust Susie Wolf. Sure. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you trust Susie Wolf. I love too that you're just like I I intrinsically trust Susie Wolf. <laughs> but I trust her to be hardworking and, I was just and like, to yeah, advocate to the best of her abilities to get the best for these women. Yes. I think um but it, you know, there's this place there it's very easy for women to just get like oh well we want women and then they just throw them in but they don't put any thought behind it they don't make it work and then they're able to be like oh well people don't want to watch and it's like it's literally impossible to watch yes exactly (laughs) so and then Susie could just be caught up in the middle of that right like she may have very little power over the timing of the races or where it's going to happen or when we don't know yeah I I think you know what the answer that is I think they should start with IndyCar because it's more, it's more affordable. It's an entry point, and you'd have sponsors that say, "Yes, we want this." Okay. Well, all the Colton fan fiction I'm reading even agrees with leap. you. No. Colton Herta right can't even make the leap between IndyCar and Formula One, and so if these women, their goal is to ultimately get to Formula One and have the best chance of doing that, IndyCar right now does not seem like the right way to do that, Dad. I disagree. I think you can make the leap now. Yes. 
Who has I done that in recent say... memory? In recent Not Logan memory, Sergeant. Alexander, Alexander Rossi? I mean, I know Alexander Rossi from that was a... IndyCar. He was formerly Formula One. Did he go from Formula One to IndyCar? Yeah. That's not the right direction. Oh my god! There are many drivers who go from Formula One to Indy cars. Alexander Rossi, there's Marcus Erickson, there's Roman Grosjean. I'm talking about drivers that are able to go from Indy car to Formula One and use Indy car as a launching point for Formula One. And I don't think that is working right now. But I think it could. Colby Carter didn't have enough like super license points to do it. That's that is issue an issue. There. But I, I think it could if it, it's like if I think uh, you could get a, you could get a sponsor to be excited about having a woman in IndyCar, right? Yeah. I think that is right. Team, you get a team and get her in it and get her on the Indy 500 where you've got huge fan base, right? And you get exposure and then you go on to the rest of the series. And then all of a sudden somebody in Formula One is going to say, okay. We're missing wait. half our fan base here. Danica okay, Patrick, and don't ta- wait, wait, wait. Did really Brad well has in literally IndyCar just... and never talked or got close to going to Formula One. Okay, wait. Let me break in here briefly to say that Dad has just very succinctly described a true fan fiction that I read on Tumblr. <laughs> 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 a true? No, not true. But I have read many. That that is a common theme in fan fiction is like there's a female driver in IndyCar and she really shook up the game. Sometimes you're Charles Leclerc's sister and you're in IndyCar and <laughs> and you're such a big deal and you win the Indy 500 and then somebody in Formula One wants to take you up and you get into Formula One. So I do think that's probably right that there is a world in which like you're a very successful female driver or just like something different and people realize like, yes, that's a draw to Formula One. I don't think that IndyCar is currently a route for any sort of like rich white boy. And that's right. That is how it should be. (laughs) I don't think I disagree. I think that's going to be the route for Colton Herta and Kyle Kirkwood. I think oh, Colton Herta is only going to Formula One if Andretti's actually able to start a Formula One team. Yeah. I, and it's I just because who, of Andretti. I don't I don't care who it is. It's a path. I think it's both a path those guys created because be Andretti is wanting to get into Formula One. Not because <laughs> Formula One is giving Colton Herta Andretti's... this Sorry, not because IndyCar is giving Colton Herta this launching pad. I, well... In a sense, it, it just in goes, a way, it's just like okay, when what you was ask, your third point, Grace? Yeah, you're, sorry, I cut you off on your third point. Oh, my third point was about who's the FIA like? Mohammed bin Salman. Mohammed bin Salman has had some accusations of sexism. In the did you read this, Sandy? Oh yeah, and well, okay. like sexual harassment. Yes, and it was over the woman who was appointed the, like, interim CEO of F1. And she, like, brought these accusations. They were never investigated by the FIA. And essentially, it sounds like she was very much, like, pushed out of her job, which, I mean, should not come as a surprise, but it is, should be talked about. That's my news of the day. 
I also have a bad feeling that there's hardly going to be anything said about that over the coming weekend at Baku. Like, I didn't hear anything about that today. Okay, here's my thought. Susie I mean, going to bring it up. They're employed by, F by Formula One. <laughs> I mean, here's it's right there. Susie Wolf comes to U.S., starts her own IndyCar Indy team. team. I knew he was going to say that. With a female driver. It can be a single car team. Yeah. Jamie Chadwick. And she runs her team. And she she does it her way. And bingo, bango, bongo. <laughs> you got sponsors saying, yes, I want to sponsor this team. Dad's actually just described a different <laughs> in which Susie Wolf is the team principal. <laughs> but I like all the yeah, yeah, all the above. Yeah, Susie Wolf probably has enough capital right now to do it. Yeah. She could buy a team that's fallen apart and just say, okay, I'll take this team and make it work. Well, I'm really excited to do see what she does with the F1 Academy because I I think she's enough like of a quasi celebrity that people are like, oh, I want to know more about the F1 Academy because Susie's associated with it, and that's important too. You need your champion. You need the thing that brings people in. For sure. Yep. But I, Donica Patrick could do the same thing if she wanted to. I think she's got enough fan base. She could do it. Um. Well, if she's interested Gracie, in doing you remember it. who Danica Patrick is? Yes, I do. I was just curious, trying to gauge like how much people knew her or not. Yeah. I think people know her, but I think like, you know, we want like, we it's you know Formula One is so fun because it's so international. So I like, well, I want to see some international flair out there. Yeah, but it it's hard on the teams and the drivers. And it's really hard on the 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 workers on the teams. It's super hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think you're actually bringing up something I have not thought about at all, but I think about in my daily life all the time, which is like, it is very different to be a full-time working woman than it is to be a full-time working man, especially if you're in a partnership or have children. And we know that just based on like sociological research that women are doing a lot of extra like home care and taking care of people within the, the family and so I imagine that that is one of those jobs that you as a woman might be like this is my dream job and you work in it for a while and then you're just like this is not worth it because I have so many extra things and men are just like of course I have someone at home who does everything for me and I just travel the world I mean I'm sure it's hard for them as well I'm not saying it's not but it's a very different experience yeah yeah that's why we need universal child care no <laughs> okay final question of the night yes have you guys listened to Charles Leclerc's song I thought it was totally fake until I saw the interview where he was like, I loved, I thought it was like a fan-made thing, to be honest no, with you. He totally I knew he had it. said he was making something, but I was like, this is way too soon. And then he was like, I loved the experience of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know about this, Dad? No. He recorded a song, just him playing the piano. Well, I mean, there's more in it, but it's him playing the piano. And well, he released it, and it's in the top 10 on iTunes. 
and it, well, so it's like he just has a synthesizer and he played the piano and then he like switched it to strings and did the like background string part on there too. Grace. No, I've not heard this. No. It's very cute. It's very nice. <laughs> Anne's not impressed. <laughs> no, I think it's like there are diehard Charles Leclerc like fangirls on Twitter who are like you can tell Charles poured his whole soul into this okay. song <laughs> I will just say my one comment about that I was reading about uh, uh, Graham Rahal and how he he hasn't done hasn't lived up to maybe his expectations in IndyCar and one of I think Joseph Newgarden said well may have, he may be that he's he's not concentrating 100% on racing he's also got his foundation He's, you know, he's working on this foundation to raise money for kids. I'm not oh. sure what the foundation is. It's a, it's a good <laughs> foundation. Like money. But it's, it's like he and Courtney Force are have this foundation. Courtney Force, the former uh, 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 funny car driver, John Force's daughter, um, have this foundation, and they say, well, it's because he's running that foundation. He's not a hundred percent concentrating on IndyCar. It's like, really? I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But anyways, it's an interesting like, thought he's about... He's not that good of a driver. Maybe that's why Shah, Shah isn't doing so well at Ferraris because he's concentrating on his music career. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love that, Dad. There definitely were some people on Twitter who were like, Michael Schumacher would never have done something like this. <laughs> and then people responded with a like video of Michael like dancing with his family in like a country western part okay, i am gonna say people who are like formula one got ruined when they implemented any safety measures <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back to refueling cars uh, why is there a speed limit in the pit lane <laughs> more than that. The halo? more than that more than that <laughs> But, well, thanks okay. for joining us, Dad. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been super fun. Looking yeah. forward to uh, uh, Barber Motorsports this Sunday uh, <laughs> in Birmingham. I hope to see Colton cross that finish line first with the checkered flag. <laughs> I highly recommend at least, delicious at least chaos in just at least watch a little bit of uh, Barber Motorsports in Birmingham, Alabama at noon on Sunday on NBC just a little plug there uh, just to see the green grass and the beautiful track i think dad is sponsored by indycar <laughs> he might be and and grace just for you to like compare okay that was long beach completely street circuit to a purpose-built road course and see who who adapts well to a road course the with elevation changes course. yeah that's yeah. my plug well thanks everybody for joining us uh, like, and comment, we'll subscribe. You. Yeah, like, comment, Tell subscribe. Tell your friends, family. Send this to your friends. Um, we will see you very soon. After Baku. Not live, not actually in Baku, but from our own living rooms. <laughs> After watching Baku. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.